Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. than they were by the food, so I guess I'm a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, it's it's a fantastic cookbook. It's flying off the shelves. Uh, I, I think it's what every Outlander fan has wanted for a long time. It just it brings them more into uh, that world, and and I, I've noticed that you've had a lot of participation and feedback from the fans since the book has has been out. They're very interactive with you. They are, and we've been doing this together. I've been doing this for about five years, so we've got a, I've got a relatively big fan base for Outlander Kitchen, and everybody's been super supportive all the way along, and now that the book's actually out, I'm just so happy to be able to share it with people. It's a really big, beautiful book. It's, the cover is just absolutely gorgeous. I had nothing to do with that, so I don't have any problem saying it. Um, and I'm just I'm thrilled by the response. We've got lots of great reviews going on Amazon and lots of great pictures that people are sending over Twitter as they're making their first dishes from the book, and it's really exciting. Absolutely. For those who don't know, why don't you tell everyone, kind of take us back to how this whole idea started, because you were already a chef and you were already cooking, and, it went, and cooking really, you talk about it in your book, goes back to even your childhood and, and your parents and being a sous chef. Uh, for your dad many times and, and having this love of food that's really developed into what and where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. I've had food has been a big part of my life um, for my whole life. And I didn't really pay attention to that and started off on some corporate career in my 20s that, that didn't resonate at all. And so what I ended up doing was walking away from that career and we moved to a small island from Vancouver. So I now live on Pender Island, which is about 2,200 people, and I go for a walk in the woods every day. And one day, I was on a walk in the woods with the dog, and pigeon rolls with truffles popped into my head. And that's um, a recipe from the third book, Voyager, in the series. And by the time I got home, I just knew I really had to make it. Um, and I had retrained as a chef at this point, so I had pretty good re recipe writing skills. And I really wanted to publish the excerpt from the book with that recipe on my blog. And so I emailed Diana's publicist, and uh, I got a response back from Diana Gabaldon, the author of uh, the Outlander series, the very next day. And she was, she was really excited by the idea. She thought it was a great idea. So we went ahead and do it, did it. And then a few months later, we did another recipe. We did Brianna's Brideys, which is a meat pie, much like a Cornish pasty. Um, and, we've been, and we, we were getting really good feedback from fans. And so I started asking about a, the possibility of an Outlander cookbook. This is before this TV series had started. This is in about 2010. And um, everybody involved wasn't quite sure that there was a big enough fandom to justify a cookbook. So I started a blog because that's what you do. You start a blog um, to prove that you've got the audience. And we, I did that for about five years. And very, very thankfully, the TV series came along a couple of years ago, and that really boosted, as you said in the intro, it really boosted the fan base um, to the point where now they just couldn't not do a cookbook. It's, it's such a great piece of merchandise and a, and a great piece of a great souvenir from the, from the series. And if, you're, if you've loved the series for a long time, it's nice to be able to flip for, through this cookbook. Um, and read an excerpt or two and connect with the characters, and you don't have to dive all the way into the novel again. Mm, and these fans, like we were talking about, they, they go way back. Now, some of them have, have come in recently, and there's always, because of the TV series and because the books are really classic, there's always new fans coming in. But yeah. the, the, the fandom to Outlander goes back many, many, many years. These books have been out for quite some time. They're not a overnight read. 
Uh, they're very smart books. She puts a lot of information into them. And these fans are very passionate. They, they know stuff about Scotland and time travel and the revolution and, and, and this love affair between Claire and Jamie uh, inside and out. And I, I really think that this is such a smart companion for all of those people um, because, it again, it just makes that experience that they've, they've come on this journey with Diana. Uh, for years and years and years, and it just it's just one more leg of that journey that enhances the the complete experience. I just think that you're very smart for for coming up with this and Diana herself wrote the forward to the book she did yeah her, her first meeting you um, well <laughs> you guys had a relationship before but, but but the first time you actually met in person she she relives that experience in the forward. Yeah, and that's when I, uh, I, she was actually in Surrey, B.C. for a writer's festival. She comes up here every year. It's one of her favorite um, writer's festivals that she attends. And so I knew she'd be there. And so I uh, made a recipe for her and then hopped on the ferry. And the recipe I made was Stephen Bonnet's sock, salted chocolate pretzel balls. And uh, they, that is a character-inspired dish from mm-hmm. a character in the sixth book who loses a testicle. Um, so now you can see where I'm coming from. And, and Diana has a great sense of humor. It, it, it's woven intricately through all of her books. And uh, she thought it was she's – she's a bit tardy sometimes, too, and she really loved those balls. As she says, they were the best balls she ever had. <laughs> well, and the fandom has really loved that. And, and you incorporate the books into these recipes, and there's little – tidbits like that all the way through. Have, have, have you found that there's one go-to recipe right now that seems to be more popular with the fan? Um, and, and has that been a surprise to you? Right. I, I would say that Shepherd's Pie has long been a, a fan favorite on the blog, and so I, would, I was interested to, to hear what was going to be really big coming in the cookbook. There's 50 new recipes that people have never seen before, and uh, I think the number one one that's getting a lot of coverage right now is uh, goat's cheese and bacon tarts. Now, in the book, it's actually a goat meat and bacon tart. But I have updated some of the recipes, and I'm not sure everybody's going to run out and get goat. And these are a really nice appetizer. They're a really great springtime party appetizer. Um, they go together really quickly, and they have a great flavor. And they sit on a atop of puff pastry, which is always nice because it's a bit of a crunch. Mm-hmm. And everybody always is looking for that great appetizer to bring, you know, instead of just the same old go-tos that we've already Well, had. yeah, that's just it. And, and, you know, I've always made a joke about eating Outlander and how a lot of the men, as you said, don't always, don't always want to be told that they're eating Outlander. But a lot of the men are coming around now with this cookbook, and apparently um, – women have been telling me that their husbands have been leafing through and marking recipes that they want to see. So we may, mm-hmm. yeah, we may be on the uh, beginning of a change of attitude towards Outlander from the men. Well, and, and there's so many men who, who cook. I mean, you have scotch yeah. eggs in here. So anyone who's been to a pub, you've eaten scotch eggs. Everybody, it's, it's a favorite at in, in my household. Um, and so actually in the book, How to Make Your Own Scotch Eggs. Apple fritters, sangria. I mean, you have drinks, you have appetizers, you have main courses, you have uh, scones. I mean, you've really covered the gamut of something for everybody. Yeah, and 
you know, Diana gave me a ton of um, material to work with. So I have a journal that I started when I started this project, and it's a handwritten journal with every mention of every piece of food in all the books with the page number. And um, when, I f when I was flipping through that and deciding on the new recipes we were going to include in the cookbook, it just it struck me again and just how much material she gives me um, to do these things. And you know, there's lots of things that haven't made it into the books just because, A, we ran out of room. And some, things, some older dishes don't translate well to modern palates. So we left, I left some of those out. But, uh, but there's lots of variety, and I think everybody's really kind of grooving on that variety. It's not just 18th century Scottish. There's food from all over the world and from different centuries as well. Well, and I, I think you really hit upon something there too because I there is this resurgent really in all things, things Scottish. I mean, the Highland Games are all over the world now. Um, people are, are tapping back into their Scottish history, whether or not they're reading Outlander or not, but Outlander <laughs> is very, uh, very popular in the Scottish community. And yeah. I, I think that this harkens back to familiarity with some people and family recipes that might have been lost, and they can kind of look through this cookbook and and they, they might see something that reminds them of something their grandmother made. And then I'm, I'm sure that you also encourage people to kind of play around and experiment and, and use use what you're doing as a guide, but that's still free to put their own interpretation on on their way of cooking as well. Absolutely. I one of my favorite catchphrases is that a recipe is a guideline. It's not a blueprint. So unless you're baking where chemistry is involved and you really need to pay attention to the recipe, if you don't have something in your pantry that I'm calling for, but you've got something similar or something that you like better, then I, by all means, I encourage people to change the recipe, write what you did in that cookbook, and make the recipe your own. Mm -hmm. That's how we start cooking again. It's really exciting to get to hear that some people are cooking again just because it's fun to cook Outlander for the first time in years. They haven't cooked anything. Um, and I re that's some of my favorite feedback because it's important to me. I'd like to get everybody cooking from scratch for at least a couple of days a week if I can. Oh, sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. and it's good, and, and it's good for you. And, and, and you talk about how, I mean, if, if you're really going back to that time with Jamie and Claire, they were already way ahead of us as far as uh, cooking locally, cooking seasonal food, all of those things we hear today in modern times, sustainable, the 100-mile uh, diet as far as um, getting your ingredients within 100 miles that don't have yep. to be transported. And they were already doing this. And, and they were doing that by, by necessity. Right. We, we do it by choice now, and, and it's a bit of a fad, but in reality – that was all the that was the only choice most of them had. So it, it's really a great way to eat, though. It is. It is. The, it's the best way to eat, and it's the freshest way to eat. And I, I always think food tastes the best, right? The the less it travels, the better it tastes. Absolutely. Had had you already had some some experience with cooking European food? Well, I'm I'm trained as a classically trained as a French chef. So, and I had all of my chef instructors and in going through school, and th and the chefs I worked for after school were all French except for one um, who was German. So I have a good steeping of knowledge in French cuisine, and and actually the Scots and the French were allies for hundreds of years against England. So there's quite a bit of French cookery in Scottish cuisine that doesn't you don't see in the rest of the British Isles. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a place unto its own because people back in those days, as 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 we've really seen throughout the TV series. They were up against so many obstacles and wars and factions, and it, it was really important to them to stay in their kind of designated area. And it wasn't until much later that people started broadening out. But with that said, they also had influences that were coming in and bringing in spices and flavors and uh, from, from the Orient and, and from all kinds of places around the world that were trickling through. And, and that's why I wanted to ask you about how important is spice and flavor to the recipes? Spice and flavor is a, is a big deal. You know, like a crofter maybe didn't have a great big spice cabinet, but certainly a manor house like Lollybrock, where uh, Jamie was raised, would have had quite a, a diverse spice cabinet. And spices were used to disguise uh, things sometimes like rotting meat. So in 18th century cookbooks, you'll quite often find recipes with an enormous amount of spice, like a tablespoon of cloves, which for us now, we couldn't eat, literally, we wouldn't be able to eat it. Um, so when I was making them into 21st century recipes for us to enjoy, those are the types of things I had to, I had to tweak a little bit, the spice level, um, and, you know, we don't eat rotten meat anymore, so we really don't need that kind of level of disguising. We use spices for flavor, whereas they use spices for preservatives um, to disguise some flavors as well as medicinal objects. Mm-hmm. So lots of nutmeg. There was always lots of nutmeg in certain dishes because it was used as a, more as a restorative than an actual spice. Mm-hmm. You, you talked earlier about things that make it into the cookbook and things that didn't make it into the cookbook. Do you already have a list going for another cookbook? There is lots of material for another cookbook. Um, Outlander Kitchen, this first one goes to book six, which is A Breath of Snow and Ashes. And Diana's written eight, and she's saying there's probably going to be ten by the time she's done. So there's also a a number of side stories that she's written that are sort of shorter length um, short stories, and they all have tons of food in them, tons of really delicious food. So we'll wait and see how this one does. It looks like it's going well so far, and uh, mm-hmm. if there's if there's call for more, then there's definitely more to be had. How do you expand this out? Is is there any talk about maybe having? Uh, some type of Outlander Kitchen fan cook-off, or are you guys going to be going to uh, any of these, you know, meetups uh, with and, and, and taking the Outlander Kitchen and incorporating in more in into the fandom and with fan participation, not only with the Outlander books but also with the food now. With the tea, yeah. I I last year I went down to North Carolina where there was an Outlander gathering um, and I taught an Outlander cooking uh, cook your own Outlander lunch was the name of the class and we're doing that again this year I'm actually just leaving at the beginning of July for 12 days down in North Carolina where we'll be doing that and there's a big Highland Games going on at the same time so again like you say there's all that Scottish history and Scottish culture that everybody's really interested in and I'm and I'm just planning some Outlander cooking classes um, Christmas time so maybe like an Outlander baking class um, you can take some cookies home and and maybe a, something like a fruit cake haven't quite got it nailed down yet but those are definitely ideas we're, we're, we're playing with 
And I wanted to let everyone know that you are going to be in the Seattle area, well, actually in Seattle, on July 27th, and you're going to be at the Book Larder, and we're going to be um, keeping up with that. I'm sure there's going to be lots of Outlander fans there. Uh, Seattle has a huge, huge um, well of Outlander fans. Uh, Diana, you sure do. <laughs> That's right, and Diana herself has been out here, and they've had fan events out here, and so I'm sure this is just going to be huge and, and, and overwhelming, and that's going to be July 27th at the Book Larder. And yeah, I think it's going, to be a, uh, it's going to be a ton of fun, that's for sure. As you say, the Washington State group is really, really organized and really passionate. I love them. It's, it's great to have you just down, just down to the south of me because I get to par- participate sometimes too. Um, we're, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that event at the Book Larder is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it's, it is, just like you were saying, it's a very well-oiled machine, the Washington State chapter of this fandom. They, I'll tell you, they, they're almost professional, the, the, the way that they carry themselves out. I mean, they know who's coming, and they get people here, and they, um, they, they have this fandom power, sort of, that they, uh, they will things to happen. Well, they do. They exert their power with great. They, they're, yeah, they're great. They, they're. I'm always surprised at what I see when I'm in that group on Facebook and they're, mm-hmm. what they've got planned. And it always sounds like a gas, actually. Oh, absolutely. And I've never heard anyone not having a good time. They use their power <laughs> for good, and, <laughs> and that's the way Jamie and Claire would have wanted it. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's also available on ebook. Are are more people using? Ebooks for cookbooks, or are they still kind of going with the traditional cookbook? And, and there's something for everybody, obviously. There's something for everybody. I have, of course, I have a copy of each, um, and I've been trying to convince people that cooking off your tablet or your iPad is actually really easy in the kitchen. Um, it's hard to convince people. People like books, and especially like a cookbook where you sit. Quite often now, cookbooks are more in the living room than they are in the kitchen, and they're in a lap, and they're being leafed through. But you can certainly do that on Kindle. And I, it's really nice to cook from, from, a, from an e-book, either from an iPad or from a Kindle, um, because it keeps the book, the hardcover clean, and you don't get stains and nastiness all over it. Now, some people really like a nice, dirty, greasy, smudged cookbook, in which case they're never going to get an e-book copy. But um, the e-book copy is less expensive as well. So if you don't have a lot of funds but you still want to have a look at it, it's a bit more accessible. And it's also good to have both because you could keep your cookbook without dirtying it up and put it in your library or, or take it out. Which I love to put cookbooks out when I'm having people over. They are really a great conversation starter. People, I put them up at the bar with, along with my appetizers and drinks and stuff, and people love more than That's anything. That's a great idea. People love to look through cookbooks. It's the best conversation thing going. I love to do that. And and go ahead and and, and put that out and then let people leaf through them and see them and. And, oh, that's uh, a great idea! I never thought of that. That's a totally great idea. It would to- it would get a conversation started for sure. Big, beautiful pictures of food. Who doesn't like exactly. those? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and and the way of kind of finding out from uh, you know things about people that that you might not ever know that wouldn't normally come up in in conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have. I'm going to have to try that. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> So it is available on e-reader. It's available in a hard copy. I encourage you to get both. We're going to be giving a copy away, so we will be uh, 
having that information on our Facebook page, which is uh, Northwest Prime on Facebook. We will be uh, working with the Outlander uh, fan group over there, and we will be giving away a Outlander Kitchen, the official Outlander companion cookbook, to a lucky fan. And we'll have more details on that coming up. And I, I wanted to talk about, before I let you go, how many food tasters do you need to make this cookbook happen? <laughs> um, my number one taster is my husband. He always is the one that gets the first taste. Um, I have to definitely throw a shout out, though, to my recipe testers, which were all, I got them all from the Outlander Kitchen fandom. I asked, I threw one blog post up asking for people who were interested. I got a thousand responses, so thank you very much, everybody. It was hard to choose just 10, but those 10 went through and they did an amazing job. Some were, were beginner cooks and some had more professional training, um, which was a really great spread to have when you're, when you're testing a cookbook. And they did such an amazing job. I had a woman in Hawaii, all over, the, all over North America testing. And um, they caught me on a couple of things. So I'm really, really glad that we did test the book. And, I, and hopefully they caught all my errors. But they, the feedback they gave me was really encouraging. And most, most of the recipes were very, very popular just the way they were. Mm-hmm. Have you got any... Um feedback from Diana on has anyone made her any uh, I don't know I mean I've had her on the show I never asked her I mean if she cooks her own food but in my mind there's like people bringing her food all the time and, <laughs> and even though she's the most down to earth and just kind and accessible person in the world I always kind of put her way up there where just you know servants are bringing in her plates of food and getting her permission, but I'm sure it doesn't work like that. But, and, and maybe, you know, does does she cook or does her husband cook? Or, you know, anybody she does cook, anything? actually. She's quite a good cook, um, she, and she really enjoys it. And I believe her husband is the dishwasher after to make everything fair. Um, she's totally accessible. I, I can't even imagine her with a waiter or something bringing food to her but um, <laughs> she often she often writes up recipes on her blog but like not not a formal recipe but sort of this is what I had for dinner last night and she's always coming up with some she's got a pomegranate tree in her front yard if you can believe it so pomegranate garlic chicken was one of the ones that I saw a couple of years ago on her blog and it looked fantastic oh that sounds great I love pomegranates anyway, but uh, <laughs> and the more things we can incorporate, and they're good for you. I always try to throw that into. But uh, when I was growing up in Southern California, my grandparents had a pomegranate tree, and and one way that they would keep us busy because we would spend long, you know, parts of the summer with them, they would take the pomegranate and cut it in half and make us sit on this block wall, and <laughs> we would pomegranate. We would eat it, keep us busy forever. We had little stained red mouths for the whole. Oh, I bet, and and fingertips too, eh? That's exactly what food is. That's what. That's why my introduction brings so many of my own childhood memories. I cooked with my grandmas, my mom, and my dad, and I remember standing at the counter with all of them. Um, and they, and it really important formative years of, in my childhood, and um, they've affected my life till now. So get and cooking. Absolutely, get cooking and make your own memories for your own children and your grandchildren and your family and because uh, at, at the end that's that's really what it's all about well, Teresa I really appreciate you coming on it's a lot of fun I knew it was going to be a lot of fun <laughs> um, people can stay up with you at 
outlanderkitchen.com, and you really keep that posted and, and up to date with what's going on, right? Yeah, I it's it, I don't post quite as, as frequently as I used to, but once every couple of weeks you'll see something new up there, and there's lots of news and things going on right now. So please come by and join us. And you're also on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, I have all those social media things going on too, yeah. My Facebook page is my biggest page, and it's got lots of fans on it. And if you're looking for food and interaction, that's the best place to come. All right, sounds good. So follow Outlander Kitchen. Tell your friends. Put it out as a conversation starter. Buy the book, buy the ebook. It's available. And join the fandom. I mean, I will tell you, this is one of the nicest and inclusive fandoms I've ever had the uh, pleasure of working with as so many of these Outlander um, cast and Diana's been on the show and the cast and the, uh, the fan clubs have, have been on, and they are just so nice. And so if you're not part of a fandom or if you've had a bad experience in a fandom, you might try the Outlander fandom because they are just absolutely, just like you're saying, they're just a gap. They're just a wonderful group of people, very, very supportive. Yes, it's a group of women that manages to support each other, um, which is unusual sometimes in the modern world. And, and I really love this fandom. It's been, they've fed me all the way along the way this journey, and I can't thank them enough. They're so amazing. Absolutely. And you're coming to Seattle July 27th. We will put the information up on our Facebook page, which is Northwest Prime on Facebook, and she'll be at the Book Larder. And thank you, Teresa, for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And Congratulations on this wonderful success. Thank you so much, Lori. It was a guest.